They are guides, all guides, and in unexpected places. You'll meet their friendly faces, and a ready hand besides. There's not much danger of finding you're a stranger for a commissioner or ranger. They are guides, all guides. Hi, and welcome to Guides Up, the unofficial guiding podcast where I talk about everything guiding. I'm Taryn. And I'm Marissa. In this episode, we're taking a trip around the world to explore the Five Wags regions. From east to west, our world organization is made up of more than 150 countries that represent a total of 10 million girls. Girls and women around the world. Uh, and talking about the world and the organization, we thought we, it was fitting for us to learn about Jillian Vint uh, Turnhout, the former chief commissioner of the Irish Girl Guides. And to end the night, we'll listen to Join in the Game, which is a song about friendship and inclusion, which is, of course, one of the pillars of guiding. Um, but before we get into that, we just wanted to say really quickly that you've probably noticed that this is episode 50. So it's been, I think it's been over a year since mm-hmm. we started. Um, so we just wanted to sort of take a little second to say thank you for those of you who have been listening from the beginning or halfway through, or maybe you're new. Yeah, I can't believe it's been over a year already. It's been so much fun and learned so many new and wonderful things. Um, And we definitely want to say thank you, and especially to those who interact with us on social media. We really appreciate your time and support. Yeah, I love getting the little messages every so often um, from certain listeners and yeah, it's been nice, and we've made some some good, I feel like, new guiding sisters that we can, you know, rely on in the future. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's been nice. Um, and some of those guiding sisters are, they're mostly in our region of the five world regions, but there are some in other regions as well. So... Marissa and I were talking before we started recording, and we were surprised at how little information we found, or at least I found at first glance. I've been talking about it. We remember learning about the five regions growing up, but at least I don't remember learning a lot about the regions as a whole, um, and more just learning of it as here are five regions, almost like continents where guiding is and if we're going to talk about anything we're going to talk about like a specific country within each region um and yeah so the five regions are africa arab asia pacific europe and western hemisphere um and um four of the five regions have world centers um, Sangam is in India, which is in the Arab region. Pax Lodge and Archalet are in London, England, and Switzerland, and those are in the Europe region. Arcabania is in Mexico, which is in the Western Hemisphere, and oh, I really need to learn how to pronounce this. Kursefi? Kursefi? I think, I think it's Kusafiri. Kus- I think it's Kusafiri. I feel like it's hard to remember. I learn it and then I, like move on and forget I pronounce it until I see it again. Um, Kusafari, <laughs> yeah. which is in Africa, that wanders through Africa to highlight all the different countries and cultures within the African continent. So 
the five regions, so I was able to find different amounts of history and information on each of them. Um, so I'll go alphabetically, which is how they're listed in most places, make it nice and easy. But the first <laughs> region is the African region, which is in sub-Saharan Africa, which I don't think I ever realized growing up. I just thought it was Africa as a whole. Um, but it makes sense that just sub-Saharan Africa, the natural um, border between northern and southern Africa being the Sahara Desert. Um, the African region has 33 member organizations and 1.3 million girls, uh, which I think is a lot. It feels like a lot, um, at least with how um, spread out villages in Africa are. Like the cities are large, but then the rest of the population in most African countries tend to be fairly spread out. Um, so having such a significant number of girls is pretty astounding. The next of the five regions is the Arab region, which is the smallest region by far, with only 17 member organizations and about 200,000 girls. Uh, the Arab region was first launched in Egypt in 1924, and they worked towards becoming uh, recognized as a region since then. They had a conference that took place in Libya in 1966 to prepare for the establishment of the Arab region, for the Arab Region Girl Guide Bureau. Um, and the first Arab Region coordinator, Miss Bahar Abd Al Nubay, was elected two years later to help work on that goal. Uh, the region was formally recognized as WAGS, as a sub-region or group in 1973, but wasn't formalized to become one of the five regions until 1999. So a pretty large time span, almost 75 years between when they decided they wanted their own region and, and when it happened, but they worked together and made it work. The next region is the Asia Pacific region, which has 26 member organizations and 3.8 million girls under its umbrella. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they are the biggest region, or at least the have the most um, members of any of the five regions. Um, they're headquartered in the Philippines, which I was surprised at, considering oh. the Asia Pacific region has China and Japan and Korea and Australia and New Zealand. Um, I kind of assumed it'd be one of those bigger, um, more established, not established, um, wealthier countries, but it's in the Philippines, which I thought was interesting. Um, it has 12 founding members, Australia, New Zealand, India, Malaysia, South Korea, Japan, Thailand, Taiwan, Sri Lanka, Singapore, the Philippines, and Pakistan. Their newest <laughs> member is Myanmar. Um, and they are the home region to Vietnam, but Vietnam doesn't 
because of communism doesn't um, support Girl Guides. So it's a illegal organization um, and they're hoping mm. to uh, one day join officially. Um, the region was founded in 19... Uh, yeah, 1969, and was established at the World 20th World Conference in Finland. And they have a regional conference that's held once every three years. The next region is the Europe region, which has 64 organizations in 41 countries and almost 1.2 million girls. And I could not figure out how they have more organizations than countries, member countries. Um, oh, yeah, I totally wouldn't have. Oh, I wonder. So you know how? Oh no, but those are two different countries. I was thinking about how I there we realized there were two Ireland organizations, but then I was like, oh wait, but there's Northern Ireland and Ireland. So yeah, so I kind of have two theories about it. It would be um, depending on how like Girl Guiding UK is looked at. If it's um, like because. Girl Guide, Girl Guide in UK has Welsh, Scottish, British, and Irish oh, Girl Guides under yeah. like a larger umbrella. Hmm. Um, so I wonder if that counts in that, or if they're counting not full member organizations or organizations that aren't um, fully inducted into WAGs into that um, number. So associate organized or associate countries who aren't you know fully in wags yet not for maybe a second that it might be because um some countries have like what how we have it we have girl guides and then there's boy scouts but girls can join boy scouts but i just checked the western hemisphere member page and it's just girl guides canada like boy uh scouts canada i should say it's just because Canada is not on there so yeah um mm-hmm. interesting in, in europe um, guiding and scouting is a lot more combined than they are yeah. in um, some other regions of the world. But everywhere I saw it, these regions only represent the girl members of that organization in mm-hmm. ways. So it's, yeah. yeah. Couldn't figure <laughs> out where that disparity came from. Um, Weird. Yeah. <laughs> The European region spans both EU and non-EU countries, um, and it supports some some former Soviet republics. Um, they kind of split um, the former Soviet republics between the European region and the Asia-Pacific region, depending on where they fell within um the world geography. Uh, they have Cyprus for culture, cultural reasons. Um, since Cyprus is not in Europe, as I discovered, it's yeah. Um, and then um, I know you and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, Marissa. They have Israel for political reasons, kind of keeping it out of that whole political typhoon whirlwind mess of um middle eastern politics um Mm. it was decided that israel would just fit better in a less 
contentious region. Yep. Uh, and then there's the Western Hemisphere, which is the last of the five, um, which I always thought was bizarre that the Western Hemisphere has one whole region to itself and there's <laughs> four regions for the rest of the world. Um, but there's 35 member organizations with almost 3 million girls and it covers the Western Hemisphere, um, including North America, Latin America, and the Caribbean and was established in 1960. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of a quick overview of the world regions. Um, like I said, I tried digging in and I looked all over the place and couldn't really find a ton of information about like the history of any of the regions other than some dates where they were founded, some dates it didn't have. It was very bizarre how disconnected the history of the WAGS regions are, especially with how much other history we've been able to find when it comes to WAGS. Um, I think a lot of it just must be established, first of all, in the world centers, um, but then also like in the individual like member organizations, like each of the countries. Um, I just recommend if you're interested in learning more about any of the any of it, um, you can go onto the WAGS website and you can search by country. Like you can search, you can pick the region and then just scroll through to see which countries are a part of it or which country organizations. And if you like find one interesting, just look into it. Um, I was looking to see if Jordan was included in the Arab or even the, um, I think I checked the Africa region. I was trying to figure out if Jordan was in there just cause I like only recently learned about them like a couple years ago. Um, but I didn't see them included anywhere, so that's interesting. I think they're mixed, but they definitely have girls and boys. Um, so no girl representation, I guess, yet. But so. um, Let me check, because we have a, one of our spreadsheets. Um, according to the WAG's website, which is where I got this information from, Jordan is in the Arab region. It is? Oh, I just like scrolled through the Arab region. Hold on a second. <laughs> I didn't see it on there. Funny. Oh, yes, it is. There it is. Okay. Yeah. I was like, hold on. <laughs> cool. I know one thing that I have always found, like, I don't know why this is. It just must be the way things were established, but how there's two world centers in Europe, one in North America, one in, what was that? Is that, is India considered? India is Asia. Asia? Yeah. Oh, hmm. I think a really good place would be like in like like far east asia like somewhere in like japan china mm -hmm. singapore australia new zealand area like that would be really good because like india is pretty far but like it's a different culture than like even further out east yeah that way uh, i think it I would, would love... be really cool to have a center there like i've just i've been so like pulled by like i've been watching videos about like people in japan and tokyo and like i've always wanted to visit australia and like that would be a really cool place to have a world center i think yeah um i want to go to definitely like um the further side of asia from here um like japan china um that side of asia um, but I also really want to go check out Africa and check out mm -hmm. 
all the stuff that they have in there. It seems like such a different world. And we, at least in the Western Hemisphere, in Canada, we have a lot, like, of Asian influence in our culture with, especially in Waterloo, with the number of Asian Mm -hmm. students we have who then decide to stay in um, the area once they finish their schooling. Um, But it feels like we don't have as many people from Africa. I'd love to learn more about their culture and kind of Mm -hmm. see what they're about. Um, Because I know African food's delicious. But, like, it's not something... I thought it was really cool, yeah. like, when the World Center was established there, the newest one. Even though it's, like, it doesn't have a permanent location in Africa, I still think it's cool that they brought something like that there. And uh, I think it was uh, definitely needed. And yeah. I can't remember if there's any girl programming. I think there's girl programming run through that center. I don't see why not. Um, there is it's fun more like a jamboree than yeah one of the yeah. other centers actually um, i think um girl guides of canada their their nsts for like last year that were supposed to happen i think there was actually one to Af- somewhere in africa and i think there was a school building project um that uh participants would be a part of oh, cool. um so yeah it's sort of like that style like jamboree or like community building Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah really cool yeah um and i think it was really smart the fact like how they made it um a roving center mm-hmm. um so you can experience so many different like different parts of africa but it also because of how unstable um many african countries can be um it means that you aren't tied to one place in case a conflict comes up um yeah kind of it also the like, geopolitical situation in the continent um in mind when trying new things yeah and for the girls the organizations in africa like the traveling of the world center is probably cool for them too because then it, if it passes through them like through their country or something then they have mm-hmm. a better opportunity to go there and to to meet people who are coming or participate in different activities um so i really like that too as well i think that would be a, a good idea if they wanted to have another world center somewhere else um even like in south america that would be cool too yeah quite a few uh organizations down there and it's it it sort of feels like a disconnect between north and south america um culturally first of all but also like geographically it is quite far like yeah not not an easy flight um but yeah i think i hope and wish that uh you know in the in the future years you know 10 20 years down the road maybe another world center pops up somewhere whether that be in sort of the far east asia pacific region or like in south america which is part of the western hemisphere yeah according to wags um so yeah yeah um i also wonder if they'll continue moving towards this less um brick and mortar world center Mm -hmm. with how expensive they are and how much they've been struggling the last little bit with them um and yeah yeah i i think it's a a good resource to have um 
have it have this group have this whatever you want to call it. it's not i guess it's a world center still but yeah like you said a traveling thing that moves around um it's less expensive the resources get shared um much better it mm-hmm. gives people who have visited a world center before more opportunity to go back more reason to go back like i'm sure after a while once you've gone to like our chalet several times with your girls whether you go as an adult or like take your unit girls or whatever it gets a little tiring to see the same place yeah um so it offers an opportunity for more exploration of said region rather than just the country and that city where the world center is it would be really nice to be able to move around and like see the different ones because i know like there there are guiders who are like lifelong guiders who love to travel and who specifically stay in it to take other girls right to take mm-hmm. their pathfinders to take their rangers and like for the girls it's awesome because like it's probably their first time going there and they've never been there before so for them it's like it's nice to have it in, in a stable place but i think for guiders like we know like tina she would probably love it if it traveled and sh- i'm sure she is eventually going to want to head to Kusafiri, wherever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. And it would be nice, you know, to be able to go somewhere different um, again, like five or, you know, six years down the road after your first visit, you know, and see, yeah. see a different area of Africa. I can hear Ampersand on the other side of the door pawing at his water <laughs> dish. Um, we took him, he stayed with a friend a couple last week. And their dog will just upset their water bowl if it's empty and they want water. And he so he's from learned her. a bad habit. <laughs> it's not the worst thing because he used to just like well, turn true. into an asshole when he wanted water. <laughs> um, and as long bite as us he's not bark at us. Knocking over a full bomb. Like yeah, a full no. Bomb. He true. only That's really true. does it when it's empty. So That's good. It is. It's a bizarre new habit he's picked up. That's funny. I would never have thought that dogs would pick up habits from other dogs like that. He didn't do it two weeks ago. And then he spent a day with this other dog. (laughs) And now he does it. So I'm assuming he picked it up from her. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Um, That's a very nice way to find out what he wants uh, true he's he's fairly polite rather than barking you're right yeah um yeah uh do you have anything else to add about the hemispheres and the world centers no i think um i've said what I can think of on the spot okay again i haven't really i've only traveled to the european region and i'm from the western hemisphere so it's like i i can't say much else because i haven't been to the other areas so um yeah but i one day wish hopefully one day <laughs> nancy reagan helen hayes jan davis john sauve carrie fisher william's sister shirley temple black Tammy Duckworth, Kathy Frost, Candace Bergen, Lucille Ball, Debbie Reynolds, Princess Margaret, Hillary Clinton. Did you know she was a girl guide? Busting down the door a hundred years or more. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know she was a guide, you know. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know. So that brings us to our former girl guide or the segment, like we call it, uh, She Was a Girl Guide, You Know. 
And this episode, we chose somebody from the European region. Um, her name is Jillian Van Turnhout. Um, the reason we picked her is because she has a connection with WEGS and she's from a different region than we are. So we thought that might be interesting. Um, so Jillian, uh, we'll start with the fact that she was born on March 29th, 1968 in Dublin, Ireland. Um, her maiden name is Hassett. So she was known as Jillian Hassett. Um, her parents were uh, Jenny Coleman and Michael Hassett. Uh, her parents were married in 1962 um, in a very lovely chapel um, of the Ursuline convent in Black Rock, Cork. So very, very Irish is what you can imagine in your head. Um, and then of course she was born six years later. Um, her dad, Michael, was actually very involved with scort, scorts, oh my gosh, with scouts <laughs> in Cork. I was reading ahead and thought Cork. Um, so he was involved with scouts um, and her mom was involved with the Red Cross. So you can see the foundations of sort of the guiding ideals and mm -hmm. values and activities and habits are just already um, probably ingrained in her as a young child. Um, sadly, her dad passed away in November of 2015, but um, he was around for her childhood and well into her adult years. So yeah. Um, he had a clearly had an impact on her in some way. Definitely. Um, other than that, it was actually really hard to find any information about like her childhood or in, even her education. Um, I searched and searched and searched and couldn't find anything. Um, I find this is quite common when you're looking at a political member. Um, you can't usually find much information on that. When it comes to celebrities, it's a lot easier, but yeah. for um, politicians, it's much harder. Um, so we'll just dive right into her work. Um, so it starts in sort of 1993. So she was just shy of turning 30 by about, um, I guess that's five years. Um, so she was 25. She was actually around my age. Um, and so from 1993 to 1996, Jillian was elected and employed as the Secretary General of the European Coordination Bureau. Um, she did some work basically with the European Union in that sense. Um, and when she was working in that role, she worked out of Brussels in Belgium. Um, so not too, too far from her home um, country of Ireland, um, but different enough. And in this role, she helped to co-found the European Youth Forum. Um, and she was heavily involved with that. Um, so, you know, she worked there for three years. Um, during that time, she met her husband, um, was not her husband then, but um, they did get married pretty much um, shortly after. So uh, her husband is Michael Van Turnhout. Um, they met at a birthday party of a mutual friend who was also living in the Belgian capital of Brussels. Um, and for a few years, um, Michael would spend almost every weekend driving between Brussels and Tilburg, which was where he still lived. And Tilburg is in the Netherlands. Um, the Netherlands and uh, Belgium are quite close together. You can actually take a train directly into Belgium from the Netherlands and yeah. vice versa. So super easy to get back and forth, even if you don't have a car. Um, so... 
they, you know, were dating for quite a few uh, few months and uh, he was making quite a big commitment to drive out to see her. But when Jillian's contract finished in 1996, she decided that she wanted to return to her native Ireland and Michael decided to join her. Um, so they moved back to Ireland. She moved back, he moved with her um, and they married just a year later in 1997. Um, so really, I think that was... It doesn't say when they met specifically what year, but I mean, it could have been any time within the 93 to 96 range. Um, And Michael Van Turnhout, if you didn't realize, um, was Dutch. So he was born in the Netherlands. So he was moving to Ireland and becoming, you know, um, part of that country. And and he actually ended up very much embracing everything Irish. And um, he's known for like dedicating his time to, to the country um and helping uh Jillian sort of with her career um any background information from him is uh that he has a master's degree from Tilburg University and also served as a second lieutenant in the Dutch army um so yeah that was her husband um they got married in 97 um and then in 1998 she was appointed by the Irish government um to be a member of the European Economic and Social Committee. Um, And she held that uh, position until 2011. So that was a really long time. Um, Mm -hmm. This um, European Economic and Social Committee is a consultative body of the European Union. So again, working quite closely with all things Europe. Um, And um, she was reappointed as well in between those years it wasn't um i forget how long the terms are but she was reappointed four different on four different occasions um and when she was appointed she was nominated by the same group which was the community and voluntary pillar um on behalf of the national youth council of ireland so she was known to work with a lot of youth councils so she had previously worked with the european youth forum and now um the national youth council of ireland was helping nominate her um into this role so that was big for her mm-hmm. um and so she was involved with things like the children's rights alliance um where she specifically was involved in things like social affairs external relations and communications um she also represented that committee on EU China roundtable, um, and she did so for six years. Um, she was also part of the steering group, steering group of the EU Forum on the Rights of the Child, um, so getting involved with that. And between 2006 and 2008, she was elected to the position of vice president of the group of the EESC. Um, and this was only the second time ever in the um, committee's 50-year history that an Irish person was part of the presidency team. So she sort of made a little bit of a breakthrough there. Yeah. Um, and then after her term with the European Economic and Social Committee, she was nominated into politics. Um, So May 2011 specifically, she was nominated by the Irish Prime Minister, who at the time was Enda Kennedy, um, to the 24th Shannon, which um, that's the Irish name. What that is, is basically the upper house of the legislature in Ireland. And um, it's composed of 60 senators in total, 
11 of whom are nominated by the prime minister. Um, so 11 of those spots are always nominated by the prime minister. The rest are like political party associations. Um, she served, Jillian served as the leader of the independent group, which were all these nominees, these 11 nominees. Um, yeah, so that was a, a big deal for her. Um, she got to be involved with politics and, you know, help support the ideas that she wanted to have moved through, which, you know, had a lot to deal with um, youth and children. Um, her, some of the areas of her focus during her tenure included things like um, initiating a ban on corporal punishment of children. Um, she also campaigned against holding um, the holding of beauty child beauty pageants in Ireland. Um, I'm sure if you've ever watched like any cable TV in North America, you've seen those child beauty pageants there. Um, so that's basically what she was campaigning against um, in Ireland. Um, she was also looking into things like developing strategies to tackle online child sexual abuse material. Um, she was helping um, sort of support things like um, transgender children and their rights, um, children who are in conflict with the law. Um, she was supportive of things like early childhood education and care, um, protecting children's health from tobacco smoke, childhood obesity, um, housing in the homeless, um, and all sorts of things like that. Um, so, and there was also um, something that she supported, which was um, or she tried to, to help with was the alcohol misuse and alcohol related harm to children. And she specifically was opposed to um, the alcohol industry involving themselves with public health campaigns, um, which was interesting. Um, so yeah, she was, she had a, a big interest in, in children's rights and, um, you know, protecting them and from the law and, and the harms that are out there in the world. Mm. Um, when she was part of the uh, legislature, she was also part of the Joint Committee on Health and Children, as well as the chair of the Children's Future Health Group until the conclusion of the 24th Sinead in April 2016. So basically every, I guess that's every so often, I think that's every five, five years. years, there's a new one, a new appointment, um, like new senators and all that. So. She served her term, um, and that's what she was involved with. Um, so she did a lot. Um, currently, she, as far as the internet can provide information on, at least, she is a consultant um, who provides governance, executive selection, and advocacy service services to companies and not-for-profit organizations. Um, she is a certified director with the INSEED International Directors Program, which is a chartered, direct, um, chartered director group. Um, she also attended things like the Institute of Directors um, Certificate and Diploma um, in Company Direction. So she sort of got involved in the company side of things and, mm -hmm. um, and helped both companies and um, not-for-profits. Um, Outside of work, Jillian says that she has a very keen interest in her family history and in her free time she enjoys things like genealogy and has actually been tracing her family tree for over a decade and has made quite a few genealogical discoveries on both sides, like both her mom and her dad's side. Um, 
And as of 2017, Jillian and her husband, Michael, have been living in Ireland for over 20 years since their move. Um, And Michael is currently supporting Jillian in the running of her company, genealogy.ie, as well as its finance, its website, and social media. It's uh, a website that is sort of like an ancestry thing. I don't think they do the whole um, gene matching, but they basically have a website where you can sort of start and figure out your family history and your genealogy um, just by sort of putting together some information based on like your name, your location, um, family member names. And uh, so that's something that she uh, started to get involved with after a big volunteer, um, done a lot of volunteerism in her life. Um, There's a lot of member or or a lot of organizations that she's been a member of. She has been the uh, director on the board of the Arts Council in Ireland. She has been the chair of the Children's Hospital in Ireland, um, former chair of Early Childhood in Ireland, former board member of Women for Election. Um, Like I said, she was the former president of the National Youth Council in Ireland. Um, And also the former member of the management committee of the National Economic and Social Forum. So she's sort of been dipping her toes in a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of awards, she's actually received quite a few recognitions. Um, in September 2010, she was awarded the Freedom of Killarney um, in County Kerry. Um, and in that same year, she also won the News Talk Women um the News Talk Women Mean Business Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award. It's a very long title. Yeah. Um, and that was for her work in the Children's Rights Alliance. Um, so she was recognized for her work with, with um, the Children's Rights Alliance. Um, then in 2015, Jillian was awarded TV3's Tonight Show Politician of the Year. So that's, again, reflecting her work in politics. Um, She was also named Senator of the Year by someone named Miriam Lord, who is a writer and columnist with the Irish Times. Um, And they said that Van Turnout's work in the area of child protection puts her in a select band of parliamentarians who aren't living reminders of why the Sinead should have been abolished when we have the chance. (laughs) So clearly there's some, you know, thoughts in Ireland on whether that you know, Sinead should should really exist, whether the legislature should be there. Um, But apparently her work in the area of child protection um, was, you know, someone who stood out from the rest and made its existence um, something worthwhile. Um, As well, uh, for her work in Europe, she was appointed honorary president of the Europa Society in University College Cork for the years 2016 to 2017. Um, And another honorary award was a fellowship by the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland. And then lastly, we sort of get into her role with Irish Girl Guides. Again, there's not a ton of information on it, but um, there is some stuff. So like I mentioned, she is the former chief commissioner of the Irish Girl Guides. So I'm sure if you can think of the chief commissioner of your organization, that's a lot of work and that's someone who has a lot of experience in guiding and therefore, you know, is able to lead an organization, a country. Um, So 
quite significant. And in fact, it helped her in her nomination when she um, ran for election of the World Board of WAGs. Um, she did so in June of 2017. And in her nomination letter, Jillian was speaking about how honored she felt to be nominated and how the guiding flame burned brightly when she joined Brownies at just seven years old. Um, and she said that the fundamental principles of guiding and scouting continue to be a beacon to guide her on her path through life. So she really credits Girl Guides as a big part of her life and, and something that still remains with her to this day. So it's quite significant. Um, and she also talked in her um, nomination letter about her extensive work, both as a volunteer and a professional in advocating for children's and women's rights. Um, and she sort of calls that, that work instinctual to her. So it's something that she, it's just an instinct that she, you know, supports those kinds of things and works for those kinds of things, um, mm -hmm. which is really nice to hear from a leader like that. And um, right now she is currently a member of the National Screening Community, Committee and the Government's Committee for WAGs. So although she didn't, um, get to be a part of the world board she did have a minor she does still hold a minor role um, with the national screening committee and the government's committee so it's nice that she still gets to be involved and gets to yeah. have sort of some experience on the in the world stage that's what uh, we call it <laughs> yeah sounds like she definitely has been busy over her life and super involved in making the world a better place um she's mm -hmm. working um with the secretary general of the european bureau all the way to um senate or cabinet um with the senate and then you know past that um yeah Definitely has been busy, definitely has made a difference in the world. Um, mm -hmm. It was really interesting to learn about um, someone who is from a different country and different guiding world. Um, yeah. You know what's interesting too that I learned about Ireland specifically when I was looking into politics is that they have both a prime minister and a president. And the prime minister is, I think, either an, I think it's either appointed or maybe nominated by the president. So really interesting, like how that works in a country where you've got both, as opposed to like here in Canada, we're just prime minister and in the States, they're just president. Um, yeah. It's interesting to see how that works. Mm -hmm. The different ways that countries have made up their democracies is really cool if they're um, like in the States where it's Republican democracy um, versus here where we're monarchy or monarchy, whatever. Part of the monarchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, versus countries that, you know, are just doing other stuff altogether. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of, you know, differences and working together our campfire song this week is join in the game let everyone clap 
like me. Let everyone clap hands like me. Come on and join into the game. You'll find that it's always the same. Let everyone sneeze just like me. Let everyone sneeze just like me. Come on and join into the game. You'll find that it's always the same. Uh, so once again, there is zero history on this song. Um, I had never heard it before. I thought I had, and then when I looked it up, I definitely haven't. Um, it's uh, um, pretty popular, at least now, I guess. It's a pretty popular kid song, um, which makes sense because... Um, on all the guiding websites I found, um, it's referenced to coming from Sing a Song with Spokes and Fronies um, and an unknown original source. Um, so it's a fairly repetitive song where um, you call everyone to do a pretty... Um, generic action like clapping or laughing um and then the chorus is come in and join into the game you'll find it's always the same um yeah have you ever have you ever heard it before marissa i so i'm looking at the lyrics and they don't look familiar to me um Although when you set the title when we were planning this out, it sounded familiar, but maybe it's just part of, um, I forgot what song it's a part of, but there's a line in another song that's like, um, it ends with come in and join our game. I think it, it's it's one of the Brownie um, songs and I can't remember which one it is, um, but I actually just started like playing it in the background to sort of hear it. I'm trying to see if it sounds familiar. Um, yeah, no. I don't think I've heard it before. Yeah. Um, I definitely haven't. Like you, it sounded familiar when I suggested it. Um, I was probably <laughs> thinking of um, whatever song you're thinking of, uh, the Brownie Patrol songs or something. Yeah. Um, but it's cute. I see why Sparks and Brownies would like it. It's pretty easy to learn and teach. Um there's some entertaining actions that you do. So there's clap and laugh, which is pretty generic for songs for, you know, Sparks Bronies. Um, there's everyone sneeze like me, which I think is cute. Um, you don't really have songs where you're sneezing. Um, and then at least in the lyrics I found, which is different than the video I found, um there is a eat the cookie or eat a cookie like me uh which i find very appropriate for sparks and brownies and girl guides um i just looked up um i think i looked up girl guides and something to do with join our game and it is the brownie song it's part of the brownie song um that line it's we're the brownies here's our aim lend a hand and play the game and i think that's Uh, where i think that like comes from when I thought like I made the connection in my head um so (laughs) oh well (laughs) I'd be interested to hear if anyone actually knows it 
Um, yeah. Um, again, yeah. we're also both not brownie leaders or like we, we both did a little bit of sparks, but um, it's been a while since I spent time around that age group. So who knows, maybe it's really popular with them. And um, so if there's any spark brownie guiders out there listening, um, let us know if you know the song. Yeah, when I was a spark leader, none of my girls really liked to sing. And when they did sing, I just sang or I taught them classics I loved. Yeah, um, yeah. So I didn't really do too much searching for new songs. I think unless you come across another guider of that age group, you probably won't hear it from the girls. Yeah. Because it, it does sound like a, a younger branches song, which makes sense because you said it was from, um, what do you, a, where was it? Sing a Sing song, a song with Sparks and brownies. and brownies. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's like, it's geared for that age group. So I I can kind of see why we probably haven't heard of it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the end of another episode. Um, I can't believe it's been 50 already. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, make sure you give us a five-star rating and a review to let us know that you're listening and enjoying and want another 50 episodes. <laughs> yep. And you can also follow us on social media. We're at GuideZone on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can keep up to date there on any new episodes, the podcast news, and some of the behind-the-scenes bits that we share. Yeah. And as we part, we wish you all, our listeners, good guiding. Good guiding. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lake, from the hills, from the sky. All is well, safely rest, peace is nigh.